podcast. Hello and welcome to the Smiley Signal with your host Stephanie Nicohanna and Danielle May Franklin. Today, September 24th, 2019, marks the 155th anniversary of the Battle of Fayette. On September 24th, 1864, a band of 250 guerrillas, which was Southern sympathizers, were led by Bloody Bill Anderson and George Todd towards the town of Fayette. So just a few days before, the 9th Cavalry attacked the barn where Anderson's troops were staying just outside of the town, and the 9th Cavalry killed five of his men and one of his captains. And so Anderson was heartbroken, he was mad, and he was on the warpath for whoever did it. He wanted them to pay. So, the morning after the attack, Anderson met up with a few other men, including William Quantrell and Frank and Jesse James, who were part of Quantrell's group. Wait, Jesse James was part of William Quantrell's group? Yeah, Jesse James is one of America's most notorious outlaws, but he was actually born in Missouri. So, he was just a Southern sympathizer, and him and his family both really sided with the Confederate. Wow. So, Anderson told them of his plan to attack the Union soldiers in Fayette in retaliation for them killing his men. But the others thought that this was a bad idea, the soldiers were too heavily fortified here, and the attack would never work. So, the group of 250 guerrillas, led by Bloody Bill Anderson and George Todd, pushed forward. Because Anderson did not care. He just wanted payback. And so, they started walking down Main Street, even though they were Southern sympathizers, They were dressed in Union blue uniforms to try to mask themselves from any citizens looking on. Did that actually work, though? Ah, it started to. But someone in the Southern Sympathizers group saw a black man dressed in an actual Union blue uniform that was walking on the sidewalk, and he opened fire on the man. And so all pandemonium broke loose. They went (laughs) crazy. Everything was just chaotic, and their cover was blown. So the group made a mad dash to the Fayette Courthouse on the square, but since it was one of the only brick buildings in town, it had already been barricaded by other Union soldiers and some of the townspeople. So the group of guerrillas broke into two groups at the courthouse, and they separated and went two different ways. They went towards the blockhouses, and they thought if they could surround them, that would give them an advantage. (laughs) But did did that actually work? We'll find out. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, the Union blockhouses were soldiers' quarters during the winter and where they had stored all of their ammunition and weapons. And it was located where the Robbs Recreational Center currently stands on the end of campus. So, Fayette was defended by only 30 to 50 Union soldiers. And they took on Bloody Bill Anderson, George Todd, William Quantrill, Frank and Jesse James, And 250 other guerrillas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, after six guerrillas were killed by our 30 to 50 men, and 8 to 10 more were wounded, they realized that the Union barracks were actually too heavily fortified, and they were told to retreat. So, Fayette was defended by 30-ish men going up against these 250 weaponized men. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. So in terms of, because Central College was actually holding classes during this time, and when the war began, they 
we're at the point of ending the school year and the board of curators decided that they would just finish that year and then close the college until after 1861. However, there was a professor, Dr. Anderson, who wanted to keep the school running because the students deserved an education. He joined forces with Carr Pritchett and fought to keep the college running. The board said that that was fine, but the school as a whole would not be held accountable for anything that happened. It wasn't the school's activity. And that's true. So it was Anderson and Pritchett who were working on their own to keep education going. They conducted whatever schooling they could in the college building, which is now known as the Brannock Administration Building here on campus. But what about all the troops on campus? Exactly. So it's believed that Anderson and Pritchett taught out of the second level of the college building, and the Union troops occupied the first level along with their blockhouses near Rob's Rec Center. The schooling continued irregularly, but uncertainly, from 1861 to 1864. So there was still schooling happening, but in terms of how Brannock is set up, one floor, which was the second floor, was where the students were holding their classes, and then the first floor was where all the Union soldiers and their horses were residing just during the war while it was all going on. That's pretty brief of those two men, especially since Missouri was a border state during the time. So a lot of the North and South were just trampling through our state. Yeah, and Fayette being so central in Missouri was just kind of a really big resting point that you never really knew what, you never knew what to expect. You never knew what was going to happen next. Wow. So um, in the spring of 1863, Dr. Anderson ended up resigning and leaving the school in solely Pritchett's hands. So he was all alone in the summer of 1864. But then the bushwhackers came and robbed Pritchett's home, and that ended up terminating Pritchett's role with the school. Mm. So he could no longer afford to keep it running the way that it had been irregularly during 1861 to 1864. Mm. Later, Pritchett left for D.C., and the Union troops took over all of the college building and remained there until 1865. There is also an account that says that the bushwhackers tried to break into the college building, but when they couldn't ride their horse through the door, they took out their pistol and just started firing down the hallway at the end of the building. I guess you gotta do what you gotta do, huh? I mean, they really wanted to get into the building. <laughs> if you can't fit a horse in, you only have a few other options. I mean, yeah, so they just took out their pistol and started firing. It's fine. Okay. Alright, so we're going to take you back a little bit to before the war and before Central, and we're going to talk about a very important man here in Fayette's history, Jordan Collier. So Jordan Collier was born in Pennsylvania, and he enlisted in Company E, 46th Regiment, Pennsylvania Voluntary Infantry. <laughs> he was sent south to Balls Bluff in Virginia, and then sent to Cedar Mountain in Virginia, where he was wounded and then taken prisoner. So after he was captured... He was sent to Bell Island in Richmond, Virginia, and then later exchanged and rejoined his regiment. But he would then be wounded again at a later battle where he was shot in the left leg with a mini ball, which is just a very heavy hunk of lead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So after that, Collier received honorable discharge and he returned to his home in Pennsylvania. But in 1866, Collier left Pennsylvania for St. Louis and then headed towards Fayette. So, in Fayette, he became a very popular tinsmith and then expanded into the hardware line as his business grew. He built three two-story businesses and five dwelling houses on vacant lots near the Fayette Square. 
and he actually donated the land that the Fayette Public Library currently sits on. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so he was a huge part of Fayette's history, and he donated all of these buildings and all of this land to the city, which is what we currently use as our Fayette Square. Mm -hmm. So that helped because this happened a year after the war. Um, and so that helped just kind of like revitalize the city after the, the battle occurred. Yeah. Yep. So we also want to throw in there that most of this episode does come from the first-hand experience of The Babe of the Company written by H.B. Watts, who was a Southern sympathizer, and he fought with Anderson, Quatrell, and the other guerrillas. He was the youngest, which is why it's titled The Babe of the Company. From Watts's memory, there are differing time frames. What so, do you mean? Watts believed that the battle happened on September 24th of 1864, but there is another first-hand account from someone who actually fought on the Union side who wrote letters to his wife and said that the battle was happening on September 20th. Oh, wow. So we have a few days difference there. But September 24th is what's noted most in history and in documents. So that's the one that we always go with. Okay. So the information that we're giving you could be a little incorrect. But going off of what we have, this is what we know. And it's, I mean, while it can still be crazy because a battle was going on, the four days difference, I mean, it still happened relatively close to each other so at least it's not like a big month difference or anything like that right and it is also important to note that after this battle happened and the humiliating loss that anderson and his team suffered they then went on to centralia missouri where the centralia massacre occurred and they killed 22 unarmed wounded uh unarmed union soldiers oh my gosh well, we also have displays of the Battle of Fayette up in the Smiley Memorial Library for all to come view. And there's a display featured in the Central Museum of History showcasing all that we have about the Battle of Fayette. We also have a map of what happened up on our Omika website, and we'll also be posting it to our Facebook page as well. So if you want to follow along with that, we can read you all of the important marks that happened on the Battle of Fayette. So, the first number is where the guerrillas entered the town on Roachport Road, which is now called South Main Street. So, we have to remember that the streets kind of changed names over the 155 years. Yeah, absolutely. So, they walked up Main Street, and the first shot of the battle was fired at that unsuspecting black man walking on the sidewalk who was dressed in Yankee blue uniform. Mm -hmm. And so, that was really what started it all off. The second point on the map is where the guerrillas split in two. And so they walked up Main Street past the courthouse. And then the other half uh, charged past what was the Howard Payne Women's College at the time. Okay. Um, and so the third point that happens is where a, uh, a horse was killed under... A gorilla on Morrison Street, so the horse was shot out from under the gorilla. I know, it's dark. And so because the courthouse was one of the only brick buildings in town when the shooting began, a few soldiers and townspeople were able to barricade themselves inside the courthouse so that way they would be safe. 
So the fourth spot that happened is on the corner of Morrison and what is now Church Street. So at the corner of Morrison and Church Street, uh, the band split for another time, and half of them turned up Church Street while the other half went west on Morrison and then turned to what is now Lynn Street. Okay. So fifth mark of this map, these gorillas walked past down Church Street and at the Sweeney Tobacco Factory, which now stands on the Sweeney Conservatory, okay. where that is now on campus, an unnamed Union soldier shot and instantly killed Thad Jackman, which was a rebel, a Union, or a Southern sympathizer. And so, the after Jackman fell and the remainder of the guerrillas rushed up the second Main Street, which is Church Street. Mm-hmm. To the ravine that is between McMurray Residence Hall and the Phillips Recreation Center. Oh, okay. So, on the sixth point on that map is once all of the uni- the Southern Sympathizers rejoined themselves, they decided to order a frontal attack on the blockhouses, which is when the main part of the Battle of Fayette happened. Okay. Wow. So a lot of it was like centrally here on campus that it all occurred. So also going back, if the Confederate soldier that saw the Union soldier never shot fire, like that could potentially have never like gone crazy and they wouldn't have had to scramble away and divide in two and then get attacked. Right. They could have just kept walking and doing whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. Because that one Southern sympathizer decided to fire on a black man walking down the sidewalk, that was what gave away their position and really started this, which was great for the Union soldiers stationed in Fayette because that was what gave them their time to get ready and time to prepare for them coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we also want to remind you all that we are on Apple Podcasts, so go ahead and rate us and subscribe if you haven't already. And we also have a Facebook page, The Smiley Signal, where we post a lot of tune-in Tuesdays and throwback Thursdays for the campus and Fayette in general. And we can also remind you all that new episodes are up and anything that's happening with the podcast. Also, that's just a really fun way to continue to interact with us um, and kind of give us feedback and let us know if you want to be a part of any upcoming episodes. Yeah, and please comment talk to us we want to talk back to you all we love it yeah if you have any questions we are more than happy to answer them see you next time thanks for listening